Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hey guys, so as many of you know, we tape this show here in Nashville, Tennessee. We all live here in Nashville, Tennessee, and we are all heartbroken to hear about what happened this morning here in Nashville, right in our backyard, a school shooting, horrific, tragic, absolutely heartbreaking. Before we get into the show tonight, I just want to say we're thinking about all the families, we're thinking about all the victims, we're thinking about Nashville, Tennessee. May we all come together in this incredibly tragic time, and God bless Nashville. I'm not saying we should have stayed in Afghanistan, but uh, maybe we should have taken our equipment with us when we left. Just a thought, Joe. The show starts now. So I'm not an endless war type of gal like Nikki Haley, and I thought we should have withdrawn from Afghanistan years ago. Nation building in the Middle East doesn't really work because, well, they hate us, they always have, and they always will. But the way Commander Brandon handled that withdrawal in August of 2021 was, well, like everything else he's done to date, a flippin' disaster and a deadly one at that. And to make matters worse, the U.S. left behind more than $7 billion in military equipment. And if you're wondering who now has it, well, it's a little terrorist network known as the frickin' Taliban. And now they're rubbing it in our faces with this little snapshot of their new swag. Isn't that lovely and generous? Now, we didn't just flat out leave it to the Taliban. No, we provided that equipment, with, which consisted of 78 aircraft, roughly 9,500 air-to-ground munitions, 40,000 vehicles, over 300,000 weapons, and nearly all specialized night vision, surveillance, and biometric technology to the Afghan army that uh, dissolved when said soldiers turned tail and ran at the first sight of danger. How brave, how bold. Glad we spilled all that American blood over the years to help train and equip that experiment. But the Taliban is pretty pumped about it because now it's Christmas every day for them with all those new goodies. But do you think we're learning from our mistakes? Oh, hell no, because we're set to do the same damn thing with Ukraine. And it's not just because our leaders are stupid. They are. But it's also because the defense contractors and the military-industrial complex don't really care that the Taliban now has $7 billion worth of equipment. That just means they get to make more, and we, the taxpayer, get to pay for it, and then probably send it to another country again, and then get screwed over again, and then in a couple of years, do it all over again. America, am I right? But still ahead, when we aren't supplying foreign entities with the spoils of our hard work, we're sending Joe to Canada to further embarrass us. But I've got Jesse Kelly on deck to discuss that trip, the 2024 race, and more. Stick around. So today, I applaud China for stepping up. Excuse me, I applaud Canada. <laughs> I'm, you can tell what I'm thinking. Was it a mistake, a slip of the tongue? Well, as Freud once said, there are no accidents and no coincidences. But joining me now with his take on that and so much more is host of The Jesse Kelly Show and author of The Anti-Communist Manifesto, Jesse Kelly. Jesse, it's great to have you. 
It's an honor to be here. I, I wish it was under better circumstances. I do wish we had a president who could complete sentences, but alas, here we are. Well, listen, he was thinking and he let everybody know. So that was very courteous. He's letting us know when he's thinking. We always appreciate that. But this whole trip to Canada, I mean, there was that slip there. And if that was just one little slip and everything else was perfect, you know, we might let it go. Everybody makes a mistake now and again. But with this president, I mean, it's on a daily basis at this point. I wonder, though, do you think with the number of gaffes this man has made and then all the information that we are now getting about his family's business dealings that they're really not going to be able to hide or run from, do you think that he's going to run in 2024 and you think the Democrats are going to let him do that or are they going to put him back in that basement for good? I have a conspiracy. Well, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's conspiracy theory, but I have a theory on it. I think, and I have nothing to back this up except for my own theory, I think they're going to use the Hunter Biden stuff as leverage to get Joe not to run. Because it's one thing for Democrats to not want him to run. Of course they don't want him to run. The moron can't talk. His brain is tapioca pudding at this point in time. It doesn't work. But it's another thing to get him to say he's not going to run. So how do you do that? The Hunter Biden stuff. It's weirded me out that these people have run a cover-up operation for Democrats, the government, I mean, for how many, a decade, two decades now, and yet the Hunter Biden stuff keeps bubbling up to the surface. Why hasn't that gone the same way that all the Hillary Clinton stuff went and the Bill Clinton stuff went and the Obama stuff? Why didn't get, it get swept under the rug? I think they're holding it out there because I think they're going to try to bounce him for Newsom. Yeah, no, I agree with you, and I think that they tried to do it with all the classified information. That was okay. Now he's got classified information. This is going to be the way we're going to throw him under the bus. And then the news cycle continued on, and we had Chinese spy balloons, and then all of a sudden, nope, nobody cared about that anymore. But it's going to be really hard to run from these scandals. I think you're exactly right, though. I think that they want Gavin Newsom. You know, everybody's saying, oh, they have to run Kamala, maybe Pete Buttigieg. No, it's going to be Gavin all day. You can tell by the shots that he takes at Ron DeSantis. He doesn't take shots at Donald Trump, though. I wonder if you find that interesting, that it's just a constant attack on Ron DeSantis and other conservative governors. But Newsom doesn't waste time on Trump so much anymore. I, I think that uh, I think Democrats are of two different minds. It's very clear Democrats like Pelosi, Biden, Hakeem Jeffries and others. They think Trump is uniquely bad for Republicans because they label everything MAGA, right? Remember they did that stupid thing, extreme MAGA and mega MAGA and all the, all the other stupid words for it. But I think there are other Democrats who think Trump is baked in the cake or maybe even done, and that's why they're focusing both barrels on Newsom. Plus, remember, Gavin Newsom's a dude. Look, I don't want to speak for women, but I can speak for dudes. We have egos, big egos. Gavin Newsom is the governor of a state that is paradise, and yet they hemorrhage people. Florida, Florida's been acquiring people. Don't tell me that doesn't grade on Newsom as he lays his greased-up head down every single night that Ron DeSantis has been a much better governor than he has. And let's be honest, if you're getting people to leave California on purpose, you suck. And I mean, you uniquely suck. Oh, I agree. I lived in California. I left about three years ago. So I'm, you know, walking proof that that state is an absolute mess and there's no sunshine or beach that's going to change that. But Gavin Newsom goes after Ron DeSantis. Uniquely, though, last week uh, in the possible Trump indictment week, you know, it never came on Tuesday and then we waited Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and it never came. But I was perplexed, and Jesse, I mean perplexed, to see the way the Democrats really won last week, okay? Yes, this indictment might fall apart, but they got Republicans to go after Ron DeSantis all week long. And I mean 
everybody dug their claws into DeSantis last week. I'm not really sure how a possible Trump indictment by a corrupt Manhattan DA got everybody to turn the cannons on DeSantis, but I don't know if it's strategically wonderful, the Trump campaign, or it's just all around stupid. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are that it was a good week for the Trump campaign and that that was a smart move. I think the Trump campaign has made many, many, many screw ups. I think he's actually surrounded surprisingly by more idiots than he was the first time. He can't seem to choose appropriate personnel and he's made a lot of mistakes on the campaign. But last week they realized this indictment was big and it looked it made everyone look bad. But Trump normally some of that mud sticks to Trump. But last week. What are you going to say? He didn't really do it. And even if he did, no one really gives a crap. But if, if it, everyone's looking bad, if Alvin Bragg looks bad and the government looks bad, why not take some of that mud and try to stick it on his main primary opponent? Let's be honest. The Trump campaign has been obsessed with Ron DeSantis for quite a while. He's all they talk about. Uh, I know the public polls they put out there show Trump far ahead. I would be shocked if the Trump campaign didn't have some internal state-by-state polling that shows Ron DeSantis seriously threatening him. There's no other reason you would talk exclusively about one guy at all times. I think the Trump campaign knows they have a real fight on their hands, not like one he's faced yet. Oh, I agree wholeheartedly with that. But there are some that are, you know, Trump loyalists to the death. Matt Gates being one of them. And he had a, a little rally Trump did in Waco, Texas. And we had Matt Gates, who is imploring both Ted Cruz and Ron DeSantis to just get behind Trump. I want to play that clip and then get your thoughts on the other side. So Ron DeSantis, Ted Cruz, patriots of the MAGA movement delivered for you in your time of need. Today, Ron DeSantis and Ted Cruz should endorse Donald Trump for president and stand with us as we were so proud to stand with them. All right, I want to get your thoughts on that. But first, I'd like to point out that's not the only time, and Matt Gates certainly wasn't the only one. Donald Trump spent a lot of time at that rally also going after Ron DeSantis. And there you heard some cheers when Matt Gates said that. But in the other clip that we have of Donald Trump going after Ron DeSantis, it was noticeably kind of quiet and a little awkward. Do you think the Trump camp is overestimating their popularity with conservatives, even former Trump supporters themselves? I don't know if they're overestimating their popularity as much as they're underestimating why Ron DeSantis has gained so much steam. Now, he's gained a lot of steam for a bunch of different reasons. I realize the state's been successful. He was good during COVID. But a lot of Ron DeSantis, the the vast majority of Ron DeSantis supporters are former Trump supporters, two-time Trump voters who left for one reason or another. You can call those reasons legitimate or not, but they were in the Trump camp and now they're in the DeSantis camp. So Ron DeSantis is not as unpopular with Trump's people as Trump wants him to be. I know he's going to try to muddy him up and bloody him up. But look, you're asking for something that Trump's not going to be capable of doing. He needs to be careful. It's not 2015 where he's running against a bunch of losers in the primary and he can just blast away at all of them with both barrels and never hold back and and everything. This is a different era. There's less of a public appetite for that now. And Ron DeSantis is not unpopular with normal Trump fans. Yeah, I realize his most hardcores think DeSantis is the Antichrist, but I'm not worried about those people. Normal Trump fans don't hate Ron DeSantis. A lot of normal DeSantis fans don't hate Donald Trump. 
As such, they're going to have to be careful with that. But Trump is used to going up against these true establishment loser Jeb Bush types where we all want to sit back and watch him just blast Jeb Bush and embarrass him on the national stage. If he thinks that's what he's up against here in 2024, he's sorely mistaken and it's going to hurt him. I think so, too. Also, I keep hearing, and I hear it mostly, obviously, from the Trump family, Don Jr. being one, who's a friend of mine, right? And I get it. He's going hard for his dad. I don't expect anything else. But a lot of the, the criticism they're trying to make of Ron DeSantis is that the Bushes are running his campaign, that Paul Ryan and the Bush family, that they are going to be running Ron DeSantis's campaign. All right? That, to me, obviously, I'm not on the inside. I don't know. But that just sounds like a bunch of baloney to me. And I think trying to make him seem establishment strategically is smart, but I just don't think it sticks because his record really doesn't read anything establishment in my view after looking at it in its totality. I just don't see how they're going to make that argument. I agree with you. It's smart. I agree with you. It's dishonest, but it's still smart. Look, it's campaign season. It's politics. It's smart. The question is, and I don't know that I have this answer, how much of it sticks with people who are still undecided in the primary? It's not going to stick with you. You pay attention to this stuff all day long. Your viewers pay attention to this stuff all day long. It's honestly, your audience is the worst one for that to try to appeal to. They're going to be most, most informed. Does it stick with enough low infos? It might. It's a, it's a smart hit. I think it's much smarter than the other tack they're taking about the COVID lockdown stuff. That is such an idiotic, dishonest hit. I think that's actually has a chance of costing Trump the primary. But the Ron DeSantis is a rhino establishment. Paul Ryan's behind him. I think that's a sharp hit. Dishonest, maybe, but I think it's smart. Yeah, I get it. I get why they want to make him seem establishment. I just don't know. And I think that people are trying to decide between Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. I'm not talking about the super Trump loyalists, the mega crowd. I'm talking about those independent conservatives that are really trying to decide which way to go. Uh, I'm one of those, right? I'm really turned off when he goes after Ron DeSantis and trying to convince people that Florida was great before DeSantis and that, you know, Democrats did great with Florida. I think that's also a stupid move. Um, and again, this big play that the Trump camp is doing is that Ron DeSantis should be loyal to Trump because Trump helped to get him elected. But then the same token, how can you call the guy an establishment rhino and then say that, yes, I got him elected? Aren't you kind of taking a shot at yourself when you do that? I'm not sure that that makes a ton of sense. I'm not sure it makes any sense at all, but you see the strategy they're going for, and they laid it out. They leaked this out. To, I think it was to Axios or something like that a couple weeks ago that they had this multi-pronged strategy, and one of them was going to be try to focus on him, be, uh, DeSantis being establishment and Rhino, and I, I do think that is probably their smartest route. I, I really think the Trump campaign is making a huge mistake with the COVID route because you mentioned Florida. It, it, when you say Ron DeSantis didn't improve Florida, it causes you to continue on that road and do other dumb things like Trump has done and praise Charlie Crist when we all hate Charlie Crist. That's <laughs> yeah. just not when you find yourself praising Charlie Crist at a Republican rally, you probably have traveled too far down a road and need to reverse a little bit. And, and look, the COVID stuff. I get why the Trump campaign is nervous about it. Trump was the author of all that. He was the author of 15 days to sow the spread, Operation Warp Speed, all those things. And so they're understandably nervous about that sticking to him in a primary. The problem, at least for people like me, because I'm undecided, everyone knows this, I tell everybody, I'm not in either person's team. The problem for, for Trump with me is if I don't get some acknowledgement, some ownership of what he did for this country when it comes to locking down, I will never vote for him again. 
Now, if you're going to use the primary to, to call Ron DeSantis the lockdown guy and tell people you did everything perfect and the vaccine's perfect and everything's perfect, well, I've already decided if that's the case. Right. They really need to reverse course, and they need to reverse course fast. So they're going to make people like me too mad to ever vote for them again. I'm not going to accept locking down the country for a freaking virus, being the author of everything we see now, inflation, everything else, and then standing up and passing the buck and not owning any of it. That's not good enough for me. I'll leave. I'll go vote for someone else. Yeah, I think if this does get down and dirty into the gutter, I don't think DeSantis is going to take the low blows that Trump will do, and we've already seen. But I think DeSantis, if, if he really wants to dance here, I think he says, listen, you also pushed a vaccine, and you know my Surgeon General has been the one that's come out and done the real studies on it about the harmful effects of this vaccine. Meanwhile, you were pushing it. You were pushing an experimental vaccine. I think with a lot of those Trump loyalists, that's kind of a devastating blow, like you said. That wasn't popular. He did it. He did it at a couple of rallies and a couple of events where he was talking and giving himself credit for Operation Warp Seed and credit for the vaccine, and it didn't go well with his audience, right? So I think that that's going to be a big Achilles heel for Trump. But this all goes back to to the the people that still think Trump can get elected in 2024. And I I want to know your thoughts. Do you think, with everything that that man is fighting, right or wrong? He actually has a shot in a general election, even if it is against tapioca pudding head Biden. Well, I actually do think he has a shot for a couple of different reasons. And look, I get all the problems and the issues people have and the independence and the women vote. I understand the, the holdups people have with it. But one, he's won it before. And two, I think we're heading into a severe recession and by the time 2024's election rolls around, I think this country financially may be in such disastrous shape that you could put up a, a frog as the GOP nominee and possibly win the election. Now, there's a chance elections are so fortified, if we're going to use their words, in places like Pennsylvania <laughs> and Michigan, that not all this stuff is moot anyway. I still have not heard a single Republican explain to me how what the path to victory is in 2024 if we can't win Pennsylvania. Because it sure looks like they have the whole ballot harvesting thing locked down in Pennsylvania. And if we can't win Pennsylvania, that means we've got a clean sweep virtually all the other states, which is probably not realistic. So, look, it's a tough road to hoe for anybody. Jesus Christ himself might have a hard time winning in 2024. Well, in this country, he'd probably come in last. But I think we're going to be economically in such bad shape that any Republican has a shot. Yeah, I think so. I just think Ron DeSantis has a record to run on in Florida. And we know that Donald Trump did great things for this country, but I think that Ron DeSantis just has an easier path with independence because independents win elections. That's the thing. And I don't know if you can't even get all the Republicans on your side. I'm really not sure you're going to be able to sway any independents, especially when they're so disgruntled and disheartened with Donald Trump, right or wrong. I, that's my biggest thing about it, and that's why I'm very nervous if he is our nominee in 2024. I'm afraid that he's been scarred too much, and he was underestimated in 2016. Uh, he's not underestimated now, as we saw in 2020. So that's my concern. I want to move on, though, to another topic that's really important to me, and that's the TikTok ban. I don't know, Jesse, are you on TikTok personally? I'm not on TikTok. No one in my family is allowed to be on TikTok. We don't do TikTok don't do Chinese spyware and the Kelly home. I, I think the, the big tech companies and the communists who run this country and China have enough of my information without me giving it to them on TikTok. Yeah, I agree. I don't have a TikTok, never will have a TikTok. When people send me TikToks, I don't watch them. It's just like a thing for me. I'm very, very anti-TikTok. But 
TikTok could be the thing that brings Republicans and Democrats together because after listening to those hearings last week, it really felt like Republicans and Democrats were coming together that we need to do something about TikTok. I don't know if it's going to be a ban or not, but as we know, these young voters, they love their TikTok so much. They love to watch videos about cooking chicken and cold medicine and, and everything else. Do you think if the Democrats come out and support a TikTok ban that hurts them with their young, green-haired, weirdo base? I do. And in fact, the further we get along in this process, Tommy, I'll tell you, I'm getting more and more nervous. Every time I've ever seen bipartisan in my entire 41 years on this planet, it has end, ended up with you and me getting screwed in some way. And now we have this new thing because I hate TikTok already. I'm thinking, yeah, ban it, get rid of it. But I see a lot of bipartisan out there right now. And it leads me to believe maybe this is something that's a little bit more nefarious than we think. Like I said, I hate it. I want it gone. I want the Chinese Communist Party rooted out of this nation and tossed back into the sea. But I'm not quite sure that what the government is currently doing is for our best interest. When is the last time these two parties came together and did anything in our best interest? And I'm supposed to believe the TikTok ban is the, the first thing? Eh, I wasn't born last night. Yeah, I, I want to be optimistic. I want to say that, hey, listen, this is so bad that even Democrats are willing to put our national security first. I know that that seems ridiculous, but I have just a little bit of hope. What do you think, though, speaking of China, we're looking at the world stage. We know that we've gotten so much weaker under this president. But now you've got China brokering peace deals against different sects of, of Muslim faith. I mean, talking about using the yen over the dollar. This stuff, to me, has bigger implications than anything. And we're not talking about it enough, in my opinion. And I'm wondering how close we are edging to a World War III situation or just the United States falling as a world power. I believe we're closer than we have been in a very long time. We no, you're always closer than you ever were before because there's always another one coming. But look, it's, it's look. China wrote this down a long time ago. They wrote down that they had a plan to supplant the United States of America as number one. They wrote down that they had a plan to replace the U.S. dollar. This is something the Chinese have had a plan for for a very, very, very long time, and now they're finding themselves in a position to push us further along in that direction. And one of the biggest catalysts for this is the United States of America's, quote, green movement, which isn't green at all. It doesn't do, have anything to do with the environment. It's just about depopulating the earth and enriching the pocketbooks of all these scumbags. But as we continue to demonize oil and gas and switch our economy, switch our military over to these ridiculous technologies that aren't there yet, well, that puts you in quite a bind because the world runs on oil and gas. Everybody watching this right now, if you just look around the room you're currently in, Every single thing you're looking at has something in common. It needed oil and or gas to be made or be transported. The entire planet runs on it. So if the whole planet runs on this resource and you as a nation declare war on this resource and the Chinese and the Russians and the Iranians and everyone else decide, oh, we'll just embrace this resource. Well, the idiot who decided to ban it is pretty screwed in the long run because the world doesn't run on freaking solar panels. <laughs> It, that it does not. It's also possibly killing the whales. So the environmentalists, yeah. and they really don't, still don't care about East Palestine, Ohio. Uh, the president said he was going to go at some point. Uh, I don't think we're going to see that. But you wrote a book. It's coming out June 6th, The Anti-Communist Manifesto. So, you know, it sounds pretty descriptive in the title, but what are people going to learn from this book, and especially young people, because they're the you know, most communist among us. So what are we going to learn from the book? 
One, people don't understand the connection with communism and all the different front groups in America today, how it just switched from this workers' party to now it's all just cultural Marxism. It's the same communism it's always been, only now it's faces the LGBTQ stuff and the climate change people and the Black Lives Matter. It's all just communism, and it hasn't changed and I outline in the book the history of it and the connections of it and what people can do about it. We always write these books about this is the problem, this is the problem, this is the problem. When no one writes what to do, I go over each and every one of those branches and what we can do, the aggressive anti-communist actions we should be taking now to make sure these people don't take everything. So I want to get your solution on that for a group that I call the Rainbow Mafia. I'm going to be talking about them in just a moment in my final thoughts. You know. You talk about big green, the energy, the green energy lobby. Well, I think the lobby, maybe the only lobby stronger than that, at least culturally, is, of course, the Rainbow Mafia, the LGBTQ, because right now, I mean, it's absolute madness. It's absolute madness that we've allowed ourselves to descend into this chaos where people don't know what's in their pants and they think it's up for interpretation. I'm going to go into that in a little bit. But what's your solution to that? How do we root out that form of communism from everyday society, or is it too late? No, it's not too late. We just one have to understand its purpose. Like you brought up the Green Movement, the different branches of American communism, they're just different fingers of the same fist. The Green Movement is made to destroy our economy. That's what it's there for. But the LGBTQ demon mob nut jobbers, this is made to destroy the American family. Remember, there's never, ever, 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 ever been any communism that's ever entrenched itself in any society where the family units are strong. The family unit, the husband, wife, child, family unit, is the antithesis of communism. They must break that up. They must stop young people from getting married to somebody of the opposite sex and going to make a bunch of babies and raising them with values and, and raising a happy, a happy home. You have to destroy that. You have to break these kids. You have to break them away from their parents. You have to break them away mentally. That's why they want your son to chop his penis off at the age of 14. They understand that kid will commit suicide by the time he's 25. But until that day, after he turns 18, he'll vote Democrat every single day of his life once he's broken completely physically and mentally. It, this is an assault. It is a war actually on the American church more than anything else, which they've always wanted to burn down. Mao burnt down the Buddhist temples. Stalin was crucifying priests on the altar. Here in America, they understand the American church is the enemy of all this stuff. That's what really this is about. They're going to continue passing these protect gay laws that will eventually bring the FBI to the front door of your church to arrest your pastor. And the American church will be just shocked when all this happens, when it's very obvious that's what they're doing. This is to break the family and to break the church. That's its only purpose. I agree. And I think that the best thing is for parents to get active, as active as possible, and to show that they will not back down. Uh, a great indicator was, of course, Virginia, when parents stood up. And I'm hoping to see that again. I was hoping to see more of it in the midterms. But 2024, I think people are getting so tired of this that I'm hoping that sanity will prevail. But we've been wrong before. Jesse, where can people pre-order your book, The Anti-Communist Manifesto? It is at jessikellybook.com. There might even be a little bit of humor sprinkled in that book. People will probably enjoy it. jessikellybook.com. Thank you so much for being here, and, uh, you know, God save us. Coming up, testicles, woke ESPN, and sicko drag queen performances. My final thoughts are next. A trans woman cries over a TSA pat-down. ESPN honors a man for Women's History Month. A 13-year-old boy dresses in drag and dances for applauding adults. And we call this all equality and tolerance. America has become one big meme, and it ain't funny. But it is time for final thoughts.
folks, the world, or at least this country, has gone mad, and much of that can be attributed to the Rainbow Mafia. It's Women's History Month, and at this rate, women's sports as we know them will be a relic of the past, because here's ESPN paying homage to women by celebrating a man. Makes sense. Slimmer Leah Thomas became the first transgender athlete to win an NCAA Division I championship. Disgusting. And as former UK and actual female swimmer Riley Gaines correctly noted, Leah Thomas is not a female and not brave. Leah Thomas is a narcissist and a joke. And if the women of ESPN had any integrity, they'd walk out over this. This trans worship stuff is a psychosis and it's getting worse by the day. Like this next story, for example. Did you ever think you'd live to see the day when her and testicles were used in conjunction? The emperor has no clothes, folks. Has the rainbow blinded you? My God, this is mental illness. It's being pushed on these young people to exploit them. And grooming is the natural extension of that. Watch as this 13-year-old boy dresses in adult stripper attire like damn Cardi B at the VMAs and does a sexy dance for adults. Wood chipper, wood chipper for anyone who thinks that's art or entertainment. These young and impressionable children are being indoctrinated and set up for failure. And it's all done to undermine decency, values, and childhood innocence. Also, adults can get their kicks out of it. Thank God some in the public eye are using their platform to speak this evil into extinction. I just feel it's really sad on the sexualization of our children right now, and we need to protect them. Amen that someone said it. We have a duty to protect children. We have a duty to keep this mind plague from becoming the accepted norm. And so far, we as a collective aren't doing enough. So I call on all those quiet conservatives and level-headed liberals out there to stand up to this. So what if they call you a name for it? Have the intestinal fortitude to speak out or forever hold your peace. This is a dangerous game of dominoes, and they're all about to fall, so wake up. And those are my final thoughts from Nashville. God bless, and take care.